Well, good morning, and it, it's great to be here. Isn't it great to hear that Bill Porter gave his life to the Lord last week? Isn't that awesome? It just thrills you. It's just great. Yeah. Um, I came here this morning, and someone said to me, came up to me, and I, I think he was saying it half in jest, saying, well, are you going to give us a good thrashing this morning or just a tanning? And I thought, don't know what my sermons are like, but I, I hope he was, he was just kidding. But, um, but here goes, right? here. Yeah. Um, when I was at school, I excelled at running. Um, I was a school champion, and then after school, I, I spent a lot of my time in my late teens and 20s heavily involved in it. I didn't have a lot of speed, so I used to run the longer distance track and uh, road races and cross country in the winter. And um, I had a coach, and he, we mapped out training plans and to peak for particular races and championships and all those things. And Roughly, the model was just all based around the Arthelidiad model of how you do things, some months of daily distance runs to build stamina in you. And after you'd done that, it was followed by more intense sessions of you know, the, the serious stuff, the, the gut-wrenching at times like Gordon Titchen's sessions with the New Zealand Sevens team, or uh, perhaps from what I hear from Hadley Priest and Roy Gilmore and Matt Grindley, their Saturday morning sessions, which uh, sound pretty gritty and, and tough. But... But the purpose of it all, you know, we did things like eight, eight times 200 meter sprints uphill and you know, 20, 20 times 200, you'd, you'd, sprint, 20, uh, you'd sprint 200 and, and float the other 220 times. And um, you know, all designed to maximize your ability to run as hard as possible for as long as you could. And, uh, and why did I do it? Well, you know, I wanted to run faster. I wanted to run PBs, personal bests, and I wanted to run races and all those sorts of things. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, there were days when you think, oh, and now I'm going to, I feel fine now, I'm, I'm going to be slaughtered and now, uh, okay, let's do it, yeah. Um, but in the midst of it all, there was one thing that never changed, and what that was, it was the two to two and a half hours Sunday run, run done at an easy, slow pace. Now, you guys might think that's crazy, but you actually could all do it. You could, yeah. You could. Do you recall the running boom of the 1970s when Arthur Liddy had got all the heart patients out of hospitals, pulling on some tracksuits and, and out running on the roads? And some of them ran marathons. You can do it. It's not all that. But for me, the, the Sunday run, this was the run I loved because it was the recovery day. It was to shake out the, the hard work of the week and also ugh, how, however you felt from the race the day before. And we'd go off venues. We'd go back to nature, um, up the tracks and and it was here that I communed with God. Um, for several years, I actually lived in Belmont. And, um, and the, the, road, the run I took took me up past you. And I'm sure some of you walked at the old ammo dump and up there. And there was, there was a panoramic view of Lower Hutt in the, that I used to always just stop for a minute just to drink in because it was just, it was awesome. Yeah. So those runs were a connection with God. And, you know, some of you'd be running along and you just feel exuberance and worship and pleasure that, that came through it. Yeah. Because, in a sense, they were a step outside of what I was trying to achieve as a runner. Um, they were refreshing. They were a happy place. And what was happening in the world just disappeared for a few hours. For me, it was one, one way of plugging into God. Just speaking of plugging in, last Saturday we had the Freedom Day, which was the last activity of the Cleansing Streams course that we've just done. And seven of our people set aside a day to spend it to plug into God. And one of the couples who were there are going to come and share <coughs> their testimony today. Can I ask you to welcome Mark and Jenny Hammington to the stage? 
Thank you, guys. So appreciate it. <laughs> Hi. So um, I decided to do cleansing streams just to keep my husband company initially, but then I, <laughs> then I figured actually I've got a few things to work on as well. Um, and the Lord opened up so much more to me. Um, things from my past, um, things that I'd forgotten, which completely surprised me. Initially we had um, some afternoon sessions just in preparation and then on the Freedom Day we were warmly welcomed in by the prayer group, the anointing team and made to feel very welcome. During the worship um, I was struggling a little bit with it all and I had a vision of a clear pipe running between me and Jesus. Um, in that he told me not to worry, just forget about everybody else, it was just between me and him which was really cool. Um, we were encouraged to go through um, all the stages that were there, even if we felt we needed to or not. Um, and these stages we walked through all had to do with the letter R. So there was revelation, repentance, renouncing or breaking, and restoration. I'm not sure if there was any other R's that I forgot. <laughs> the leaders would talk about a subject, we'd then pray together, and then go up individually for prayer. And you only needed to reveal what you felt comfortable revealing. Some of the topics included the spirit of performance or always being good enough, um, ending rejection, removing shame and healing from abuse, whether it be verbal, physical, self, emotional, sexual or spiritual abuse. The team's prayer was that we partner together with God during the day and remove the influences that produce death and join with him to choose life, which was taken from Deuteronomy 30, 19 to 20. So it was a full-on but tiring day, one that I still felt was very worthwhile. It's not often you get to spend a whole day with the Lord, searching your soul, receiving anointing and blessing. And I've come to realise that sometimes we are bound or held back from all that God has in store for us, from certain beliefs that we may have or um, hidden ties. And when I left the Hope Centre that day, I came out and I definitely sort of looked around and felt lighter and freer. Don't know why, but it was, it was a different feeling. Um, so this is a chance to gain spiritual freedom, and I thank God for it. I look forward to the future and what he has in store for me. I'm sure he's got a destiny for me. They told me that he would. <laughs> and um, I definitely recommend Cleansing Streams to anyone. Well, here's the wisdom for you. On the other half, I'm the shoot from the hip. Um, God throws a few curveballs at you. Last week I did do a lot of praying and a lot of thinking about what to speak about. Wrote a whole lot of bullet points on the computer. Worked through it all in my little head. And then... Um, <clears throat> This morning I decided to make a couple of changes and I did the bold things bolder so I could see them and then the computer didn't work. So, so uh, I had a share and I sort of said to God what's going on and he said, well, I want you to shoot from the hip, Mark. Speak from what you can feel. So I did quickly write down about four bullet points. First one was help. <laughs> Second one was help. <laughs> um, but yeah, besides the humour, uh, there's a very serious side to me which doesn't come out too often, but certainly does when it comes to talking about God. And about six weeks ago, uh, Trevor spoke. Is Trevor here? I do listen to you, Trevor. 
and uh, he had a downpipe up here, and he had these little uh, slits in the downpipe and little, looked like cardboard or something in there, partly blocking it. And he talked about restrictions, and he talked about those blockages would could affect you, and your, he related it to the Holy Spirit and God filling you. And if you had these restrictions, he couldn't fill you to the top and overflowing. And I really related to that. And then when I talked to Bruce about the, um, the cleansing stream, I sort of thought, well, I've got a few of those little restrictions, I'm sure. I'm not sure what they are, but I feel like there are restrictions. So I went along to the course, and I, I promised myself I'd go along with three things. And one was an honesty to God. Mind you, he knows what I'm doing anyway. But I was going to open my heart, and I was going to open my mind. So I really took on board what he was doing, and I was just going there. Say, God, do what you've got to do. Uh, as Jen said, each subject they, they prayed for as a group. Well, quite, quite often they'd have someone come up and do a testimony, one of the sort of the prayer people. What do you call them? The intercessors. Yeah, that's the one. I had that written down originally. And um, they, they, some of them would do a bit of a testimony, which was quite touching. And then as a group, we all prayed. And quite often God would reveal something to you that you needed prayer for. In some cases he didn't, but... So then you'd go up to one of the intercessors and you'd have one-on-one and they would pray for you. And there were a couple that really hit me. One was forgiveness and I didn't think I had to forgive anybody. I'd forgiven my wife who'd run away with another man years ago. In fact, we're quite good friends now. But um, one that hit me was her family, her parents. And, um, you know, it's sort of, when I thought about it for years, they were, they were both solo children and they were very self-centred. They were... They didn't know how to show love to their kids. They didn't show love to us, and they wanted... And it was all about making money and business. So I was always having friction with them, because the way I was brought up was about love and, and being there for friends and family. So we always had problems. So obviously there was a huge, you know... Um, I was hurt by them, because they were judging me all the time. The other thing that was quite strong on me was the way I beat myself up at times. So I was always the runt. I was always the runt at school. As you can see now, I'm perfectly formed, but uh, <laughs> but um, always take always put myself down, and uh, it's something that Bruce in the past has growled at me about. But um, I really felt that I needed prayer for that, so I went up to this intercessor, and they prayed for me. And in the end, in my stomach, I was break dancing. I was going like this, and I was shaking, and, and I and I was going like that. And then I opened my mouth, and I it was like an evil spirit coming out of me. It was sort of, and I could feel it coming out of me and prayed that in the name of Jesus, there's no room in this body for, for the spirit. And then they cut the ties and straight away I felt this peace come over me, which is really, which is wonderful. Um, yeah. And so we, we, worked, we worked through all that. Um, I haven't got my notes, so I can't remember the rest. Um, one of the things I did get prayer for was memory. So... If, if I hadn't got that, I'd be standing here looking at you. Going <laughs> but, you know, what it boils down to in a nutshell, God does bring freedom. Um, there are intercess, you know, there are intergenerational things that we don't know about sometimes. There are things that we were put down as children or things that people have spoken into our lives we don't know. So I can't honestly recommend enough that you go along to them, you know, next time they've got a course because it really does open your heart up and it brings you freedom. Thank you very much. Cool. Thanks, guys. That's just awesome. Awesome, awesome.
So those guys spent last Saturday plugged in, here ended the sermon. We, I think we could stop now, couldn't we? Yeah. Um, I have to say that the, the roles in, that Jeanette and I had there, we were, we were intercessors. And um, so we, you spend six or seven hours praying during the day, but it's just great because you're up there and you're seeing God working in people's lives, doing things just like that. It's just wonderful, and I just, yeah, really recommend it. Yeah. And I think probably about 40 of our people have done the course over the years, um, and some have done it more than once, which is actually fine as well. But uh, outside of that, what um, most of the people say when they come out of it is they say they've got a deep peace that goes deeper than things that they've had for a long time, and uh, which is just awesome. Yeah. In 2 Chronicles 15.9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the, word, or the, the earth, to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And Psalm 34.15 says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are inclined to their cry. I'd like to suggest, and Mark and Jenny have shown it, that this is especially so when we make ourselves vulnerable and put ourselves before God. Because when we open ourselves to God, and often through others, and as, as they said on Freedom Day, there were seven or eight opportunities to, to go up there for ministry. And I believe God is just delighted when we say, I'm going to take a risk and step out and, and go with it. And cleansing streams is one way of doing that, but there are others as well. And one which we have also encouraged is, you know, when you've got a mentor or a brother or sister who to journey with, you know, it's someone that you can confide with in the same way, someone who's a safe place that you can go to. You tend to find that the women do this a heck of a lot better than the men. But in my experience, actually, men shouldn't do it any less because they've got as much stuff to deal with as well. And convincing them that, that liberating themselves with it is a wee bit trickier. And when they do it, it's great. One thing that I've heard a couple of times happen, which I really love, is that um, somebody has given uh, to someone else an app, uh, an app that monitors where they go either on their computer or on their phone and will send that person a text if they stray into the wrong areas. And I think that's awesome. And I reckon God really honours that when you do that sort of thing. I was talking to a neighbour a couple of months back and we were, we were just chatting past the time he came. And I could see that he had something on his mind, but he just chatted on. And then all of a sudden he said, I think I've got a problem with alcohol. And before I could say anything, I didn't say anything, he said, oh, I feel so relieved to have told someone. So relieved to have told someone. And, you know, we've got that stuff in us. We do need to get it out and, you know, with a, with a trusted person. Um, and I have long um, believed, you know, in this whole thing of having someone to, to share with and have had someone since the mid-90s, several people, but when I came on eldership, as you, many of you know, I asked Jim McLean um, if he would be my oversight. And I'm really grateful for the years that we had, you know, for his wisdom, for his care, for his concern, for his guidance. And occasionally, when needed to, he challenged me. Um, I really loved him. And we prayed over my mistakes, over my weaknesses. And I knew he was lifting me before God. And it's just so cool to have someone you know is covering your back. It was just awesome. And... Guys like him, I found really hard to replace, but I actually have just started um, getting to, to start a relationship with, with another guy. He's actually outside this church, which actually perhaps has some advantages in a sense as well, but I just really believe in the concept of it. Um, as the elders do. Sorry, sorry, just realised I've probably been um, inconsistent with wearing... Aaron, hold it here. Maybe I should just do that, eh? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, as an eldership, we really value that we've talked about the Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy um, scenario. And just to restate for those that may not be clear, that a, a Paul is someone who is a mentor to you and it teaches you. A Barnabas is someone that you can walk with. And a Timothy is someone that you are inputting to. And we just really want, if you haven't got anyone in those roles, we just really encourage you to seek out someone that you can really um, confide in and share with. Yeah. So... Just as the, oh, sorry, a couple of things. Another area of it is, is some home groups um, reach real great levels of intimacy. And um, yeah, and you do hear about it. I was talking with Anne in the office, and she's talking about some of the things their home group is doing. And I just want to tell you, home group, that she didn't reveal anything that you were, but the things that you're talking about, the level of, I think, yeah, God is really going to bless that because you're right in that as well. Um, and another one is, of course, is when you do have a major issue and you come and put yourself in specialist ministry hands, you know, just as Ron mentioned last week, you know, it is God's desire that we be emotionally and spiritually healthy people. So just as the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth, so also Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. What I do want to talk about a wee bit today is what makes these promises and other promises of God tricky is when people don't come to God. If we don't engage with him, he may still act on our behalf, but our relationship with him won't grow, as, as we've heard from Mark and Jenny how it does. And last year when I spoke, I gave some statistics that were done for research done for the Bible Society about believers engaging with God and reading the word. And they weren't great. Um, and then in the latest edition of the Scripture Union Bulletin that comes out monthly, it's a, what, it's a narrower survey in terms of what they're looking for, but the figures still aren't great either. You, you know, there are numbers of people actually don't even open their Bibles on a weekly basis. And other research talks about um, that people on average pray for four minutes a day. Of course... I know, and you know, that those statistics don't belong to this church. It's the other churches out there. It's not us. If they looked at us, we'd be just fine. Yeah. Um, but what those figures suggest is that your relationship with God is actually just snatched, or you're approaching him as a bit of a firefighter or something like that. Um, and what I really want to encourage is you know, there's a war going on out there. There's a thousand things pressing for us, and we need to be tight with him in order to, to get through those things. But what I want to encourage you with is that if you're not doing that time, you're not getting the opportunity to enjoy him, to get to know him better, to just chill with him, or to have him speak to you from his base of his profound and intimate love for you. Um, that you miss out on the opportunity of a two-hour run with him, um, when time stops and cares can just be put aside for a wee while. I don't do the two-hour runs anymore, by the way. The, um, the knees don't, um, yeah, but, um, yeah. But on Friday, I actually got a cup of coffee and went down to Harcourt Park and, um, and just looked at the river and the things. I love those, um, those lorikeet birds because they're always flying around, but on Friday, there were five of them just feeding on the ground in front of us. I mean, it's a, it's a silly little thing, but you just think, yeah, you're communing with God, and it's just great. And since I came um, on the team here, I've made the morning of my day off, which is a Friday, my Sabbath time. 
And this has been incredibly valued to me. It's, it's my chill time with God. It's actually my defrag time. You know, so much happens during the week. I just stop and you just settle and let things, you know, just, you know, all the things have been going on the, over the week. It's just a wonderful time. Um, yeah, I, so I'm all over it. I read scriptures, sometimes listen to worship music, but it's just to let everything settle. In it, I do spend a, um, a segment of time just focusing on God and his character in the place that he dwells. Often in it, I actually do some journaling. I talk to him about my weaknesses and disappointments. I talk to him about things I'd love to see him do in my life and in the lives of others as they're going. Other times, I do also try to, to describe you know, the joy I feel or the gratitude of, of him allowing me to be part of his gig. This is his thing. It's his show, it's not mine. And he's given each of us an opportunity both here and in eternity going forward. And I often get an overwhelming sense of his goodness and his mercy towards me and us and, uh, and a real sense of him having all things under control in what's a crazy world. And it's in here for me, uh, in this time often, that scriptures come alive. Scriptures like, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And Paul in Ephesians, I get a sense of, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Or, and this is, you know, to settle things, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And from Romans 15, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope returns in those times as well. And it is here that I get the opportunity to be still and know that he is God. And you know, we all know the, the old song, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Strangely dim, and it's true. Somehow they do. I don't know how. The problems don't go away. They're still there, and they still need to be dealt with. But somewhere in it, the perspective of them has changed. And so if you're not doing that, I want to really encourage you to make a regular time to chill with God or coffee with Jesus. Or what. And can I suggest that if you're not doing it at the moment, why not, say, set aside a couple of hours on the last Sunday of every month to, to just, just chill with him? Because over time, I know it'll give you more shape and depth in your walk with God. You will find your perspectives change. You'll find real richness in him. You'll find he is your place of reassurance. You will find again your awareness of your size and importance relative to his and his importance, that this is his world, that everything under heaven belongs to him and that we exist because he chose to have you with the talents and the abilities he's given you. And it also just help to enjoy the, the eternal and infinite perspective um, on reality that we, he created us to have. So, and I just encourage you, just come. No agenda, no sense of unworthiness. You actually, we're never going to be worthy enough. You just, um, 
You've just got to come on the basis that you're loved unconditionally. I find um, sometimes you talk about this, people's first thought about spending time with God like this is um, they have some reluctance because they're worried about how God will be. I just want to reassure you that God will be fine. It's generally us that worry about how he's going to be. Um, and an example of how he is going to be, I just want to um, let you know, I'm reading a book at the moment by Desmond Tutu called Made for Goodness and Why This Makes All the Difference. And in the preface in the book, oh, Desmond Tutu, as you know, is an absolute giant of um, anti-apartheid and, uh, and uh, a South African. Um, he won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1984. He was influential or so important when... Um, apartheid was broken down in America. Uh, America. <laughs> Let's go for Africa, eh? Yeah. Um, and um, and trying to get the society going again in post-apartheid and all the difficulties they had around it. A real, a, a real giant. The preface in this book. Oh, sorry. And just to say, the book itself contains many tales of barbarism and evil that we both witnessed and he um, endured actually. Um, and his response to them. And in the preface in the book, he writes, I speak to audiences around the world and I often get the same questions. Why are you so joyful? Why do you, why do you keep your faith in people when you see so much injustice, oppression and cruelty? He believes the questions they're really asking are, what do I see in my faith and in the world that they're missing? How do I see the world and my role in it? How do I see God? What is the faith that drives me? And he actually wrote that book just to answer those questions. But the answer is, it's all in how he sees God working, and as he sees God working, his perspective in relation to God in regard to that. And each chapter talks about some aspect of his life and how it's gone. Um, and then at the end of it, he, he has a perspective on how God sees us as he comes to him. And I just want to share one of those with you. It says, I actually saw Jenny Harris um, poetry and writing some of this, but anyway. Come to God. Don't struggle and strive so, my child. There is no race to complete, no point to prove, no obstacle course to conquer for you to win, my love. I've already given it to you. I loved you before creation drew its first breath. I dreamed you as I moulded Adam from the mud. I saw you wet from the womb and I loved you then. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Stop racing ahead at your own pace. You'll only be exhausted, flamed out and spent before the task is completed. Pace yourself with me and walk beside me. Don't you think I know the demands of your life? I see you striving for perfection, craving my acceptance. I see you bending yourself out of shape to conform to the image that you have of me. Do you imagine that I did not know you, who you were when I made you, when I knit you together in your mother's womb? Do you think I planted a fig tree and expected roses to bloom? No child, I sowed what I wanted to reap. To, yeah. Do you want to come to a God like that? I do, yeah. So if you're not currently doing so, I invite you to come and spend regular time with your God who wants to speak deeply into your soul, who wants to work out his plans and purposes for you, who deeply cares about you spiritually and emotionally, that you're, that you're healthy in those areas, and who also says, come as you are, come and plug in.
Let us pray. Lord, my prayer is that we, your people, would go deeper into you and discover the treasures and the riches that you have for us, the God that you are and the God that you want us to know and and, uh, who you want us to be. Lord, I pray if people have fears, Lord, you, you still say, come. I know you've got those issues. Just come anyway. And let's work them through from a base of love rather than any base of judgmental control or all those sorts of things. I pray your blessing on us, Lord, today. And um, perhaps some people may say, my goodness, I struggle to have two hours and those sorts of things. Uh, or even when I get there, I don't know how I'll slow down. But Lord, I know if we come, that just as Mark and Jenny found, Lord, and others have found, if we come, you'll be there welcoming us. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.